Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 870. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Let's read our passage. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news, just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest, in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again in that passage he said, They will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day, today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. This is the letter, the sermon, to the Jewish Christians who are starting to experience persecution in the Roman Empire because of their Christianity and they are tempted to fall back into Judaism, to give up being Christians and say, we're just Jews, since Judaism is tolerated in the Roman Empire, but Christianity started to become persecuted. And he's arguing that to fall away from Christ is to fall away from the only hope that there is, to fall away to something inferior, because Christ is superior. He's superior to the angels. And he made reference to the messages that angels had brought in the Old Testament. And there were consequences for failing to heed those messages. And then he gave the first warning. Be careful that we drift away and not escape God's punishment. And he talked about Christ superior to Moses. Moses was the one who brought the message of the law to the people. And he talked about the people's rebellion as they were about to enter the promised land and gave the second warning that we don't harden our hearts and fail to enter God's rest. Well, now we pick it up in chapter 4. He's continuing this discussion about the rest. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. Now, remember last time we were talking about this rest, God's rest. For Israel, entering his rest meant to enter the promised land. God had promised them the land of Canaan and that they would occupy it. Well, as they were about to enter the promised land, they had a problem with disbelief. They they failed to believe God, a lack of faith. And because of that, the faithless generation died in the wilderness. That's why they stayed 40 years in the wilderness. It wasn't that they lost their way. It was God put them in time out for 40 years so the unbelieving generation would die off in the wilderness and not enter the promised land. Then, after 40 years, Joshua led them into the promised land. 
So the Jewish Christians that the author is writing this to, the view of entering God's rest is not entering the promised land. It's entering the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. They became members of God's kingdom through salvation by faith in Christ. It's eternity with Christ. This is entering the rest. And so he says that the promise is still there to enter God's rest. And beware that you don't fall short. Well, what would falling short look like? It would be lack of faith, as happened to that faithless generation of the Israelites. Verse 2, For we also have received the good news, just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard in faith. They were given a message. Moses brought them a message. This is what God says he wants you to do. This is how you have a relationship with God. This is how you live as God's people. And that was the message he brought them, but it came down to faith. They didn't believe God. And so the message didn't do me good because they didn't have faith. Just as hearing the message wasn't enough for them, hearing has to lead to faith. And if the faith is genuine, then there will be persistent faith that will last and endure, even in persecution. Verse 3, For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping what he said. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. He's quoted from Psalm 95 again. He quoted that last time. This is verse 11 of Psalm 95. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. Now he's saying, okay, those of us who are followers of Christ, who have believed, do enter this rest. And he's saying this rest, it's God's rest. And it's still available because God rested on the seventh day of creation and continues to rest. It wasn't an opportunity only for that Israelite generation in the wilderness. It's still available. Number four, for somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again, this is how he uh, makes reference to Old Testament quotations so often. It's somewhere God said this. And on the seventh day, God rested from his works. He's quoting Genesis 2, 2. God did creation over the sixth day of creation, then he rested on the seventh day. Verse 5, again in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. He's quoting from Psalm 95, 11 again here. There's a question here about this idea of God's rest. Is this something that God gives out? He gives us rest? Or is this the rest that God enjoys? That is, we enter into God's rest and enjoy God's rest with God. I think it's the latter. And that's why he's linking it to the seventh day, God resting and continues to rest. And this rest is available. That seems to make the most sense is this isn't something God gives us. It's something that God himself enjoys and invites us to enjoy with him. Verse 6, therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day today. What he's saying here is this opportunity to enter God's rest remains open 
is still available even today. Now, when he says today, he means the first century, but it's still true. Today, there is the opportunity to enter God's rest. Continues, he specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's quoting from Psalm 95 again. Now, he's attributing Psalm 95 to David. Now, the Septuagint says it's a Psalm of David. The Hebrew Bible does not say that, but sometimes they just say David to mean all of the Psalms. Now, David didn't write all the Psalms, but sometimes they just make a reference to the Psalms as from David. But as his point here is, it was following the Exodus, about 1600 BC, when the Israelites were entering the Promised Land, entering God's rest. It was hundreds of years later when the Psalms were written. So Psalm 95 was written five or six hundred years after that event, and he's still talking about entering God's rest. So his point is, if it was still available several hundred years after the wilderness event, then it's still an open invitation to enter God's rest. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So he's saying if it was over and done with this opportunity to enter God's rest, entering the promised land, then it wouldn't be spoken of in the Psalms hundreds of years later. God's rest is still available then. Now, you notice the King James Version says, if Jesus had given them rest, because the Greek, Jesus, could mean either Jesus or Joshua. It's the same name in Greek. Now, based on the context, he's talking about entering the promised land. But the only translation I saw that used Jesus was the King James. All other translations I looked at, and there's probably 10 of them, all said Joshua, because the context is clearly speaking about entering the promised land there. The point is that if when Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land, they then received God's rest. But it's still sp spoken of in the Psalms, so obviously it's still available. Now, entering the promised land, that was the physical manifestation of entering God's rest. Verse 9, therefore a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. Now he's talking about the spiritual aspect of God's rest. And he changes the words here. It says Sabbath rest, where he was just saying rest. Now he says Sabbath rest. This implies God's rest, participating in God's own rest here. And verse 10, for the person who's entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Now it's easy to get lost in all these words and quotations. Back to, what's this mean, entering God's rest? And when does that happen? Is entering God's rest something that's here and now? Or is it something that happens after death, when I go to heaven? And there's debate over this. Uh, smart people argue both ways. I, I, I go along with those who say, it actually is here and now. And think about it, when we enter into salvation, we stop working for righteousness. We rest securely on what Christ has already done. It's no longer up to us to 
earn heaven, to earn righteousness, to make our own way. Christ has already done it for us. So in that respect, we enter God's rest when we enter into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now we experience complete rest after death when we do go to heaven, but we do get to participate in God's rest as soon as we have that relationship. I think even the, the nuance of the, the verb there, has entered, in verse 10, the person who has entered his rest. Now, not everybody translates it has entered. Some Greek scholars argue that's the best way to translate it, that this is a, an aorist indicative verb, and the only time it's used for rest in Hebrews, other than this time, is talking about Christ entering heaven which is something that has happened, not something that's going to happen. I'll leave that up to those who study Greek. But his point here is this rest is available. It's available now for those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And the challenge is don't miss that opportunity like that faithless generation in the wilderness lost their opportunity to enter God's rest. And what was the problem? Their problem was a lack of faith. Their problem was they had heard the message about how to enter God's rest, but they never responded in faith. What would keep us from entering God's rest? A lack of faith, lack of genuine faith. And by genuine faith, made truly believing and trusting in God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews.